Hi, welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us. Today's episode is led by speaker Yukon Chu, titled Rest and Work. Here at Ethnos, we think the spiritual journey deeply involves the person of Jesus and his teaching and his scriptures. We think, spiritually speaking, spiritual reality and truth can be found in a lot of different sort of places, but there's something unique about Jesus. There's something unique about what he came to do, how he lived his life, and ultimately what he did with his death and resurrection that matter greatly to us. And so we're going to now switch gears and take a moment to look into his scriptures, his life, and think through some important things here as a community in this fall season. We introduced last Sunday that we are starting the fall with a series of discussions on this issue of rest. Last Sunday was our first conversation. I think many of us had a good time thinking about this, talking about it. We're going to dive back into this subject. And to get us started this week, um, as usual, we're going to start with a question. And this question is going to have to do with what many of us think is the opposite of rest. And that's the idea or the issue of work, okay? And so we're going to take a moment to turn to our neighbors, and I want you, with your neighbors, for the next two minutes to ask this question about your relationship between rest and work. Specifically, is rest something difficult for you because of some problems you have with work? Two minutes, turn to your neighbors, and let's dive into this very important topic. All right, as usual, we want to open it up uh, as a community and just kind of talk about this together. So who wants to get us started this morning to start processing this issue of rest, especially as it relates to work? Who wants to share their kind of answer, their, their, their thought process with this question? Anybody? Okay, yes, we'll get started over here with Jenna. Let's give it up for Jenna. Jenna, thanks for starting. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So I was sharing with my group, I'm a kindergarten teacher, for those of you that don't know. Um, So even when I'm not physically at work and when I'm physically not at school, mentally, I'm always at work. And so I'm always, you know, worrying about the kids or I'm thinking about what we're going to do next week or how I can make something better or more creative or whatever it is. So it's hard to rest because I can't shut off my mind even when I'm not physically at my workplace. Thank you, Jenna. Let's give it up for Jenna again. Thank you for getting us started. Uh, I'm, I'm sure many of us can relate to that. Many of us have work situations we're constantly thinking about. Yeah, what else? What else are we thinking? What else are we processing here this morning with this question? Yeah, we'll go over here. Okay. Even when, like, I'm not at work or doing work or studying, I'm still getting a million emails from work <laughs> or from, or, like, text messages, like, help me do the homework yeah. from last night, stuff like that. So, yeah. It's yeah. Let's give it up for Rana. Yeah, Rana, you're, you're absolutely right. I think um, how many of us get messages from our bosses or our colleagues outside of work hours? Yeah, I think most of us do. So, yeah, that's something we all have to deal with. Okay, yeah. What else? How, what else are we thinking about with this question? What else? Anybody else? Yeah. Um, I think for me, like, I I definitely think the shutting off the brain thing is part of the problem. For me, last year, my job, I had a lot of trauma in my work area, and I started having nightmares. And then we were also talking about, like, just how work relationships can create anxiety, too. And 
there and then you're like laying awake thinking worrying about being you know anxious about stuff and i think that a lot of people kind of have that too absolutely yeah let's give it up for tina thank you for that tina yeah i mean how many of us how many of us even this week had some work relational problems and kind of that you took that home and had to think about it anybody show of hands yeah that, i think that's super super common right now here's the reality right i Many of us uh, have difficulty because of challenges at work. We've kind of talked about some of these challenges, things we take home with us from work. But the opposite is true as well. Those of us who maybe don't have work, who are looking for work, I mean, you talk about how, how, how stressful that is, how li very little sleep we get because we don't have work on the opposite side, right? So this, this issue of rest, and finding rest is deeply tied into our experience of work, whether we like it or not. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to take some time here to process what Jesus has to say about this relationship between rest and work. We're going to make two big, broad points, and then from there we're going to go back into our times of discussion to process these points and think and, and try to find some help, some solutions, some, some rest in the midst of some of the challenges we may have with work. Now, if you remember last week, if you were here last week, uh, one of the ideas we presented last week was that much of this discussion on rest has to do with what happens up here. You remember that story I shared at the beginning about how scientists, doctors, all those sorts of people have determined very clearly that what we think actually changes how we behave, and not just how we behave, how our body responds. We're going to look at some more like, interesting stories today related to that, but I just want to say that again as we get started. So much of this conversation about rest will start from here and end here as well. We have to believe the right things about rest, but also about work in order to achieve we believe the rest that we were meant to have. And so let's get started today. And we're going to get started with a very simple, basic concept, a concept that is very crucial and foundational. And the concept is this. Can we get it on the screen, our first point? Resting well involves working well. Resting well involves working well. What do we mean by this? Well, two things. Number one, resting well involves us knowing that we were actually created to work. Work, to put it in another way, is essential to who we are as people created by God. Now, it's important to understand, of course, how God created work and the big story of work. And so let's just take a look at the first two scriptures, the first two teachings that come from Jesus in this opening scripture. And if you take a look at your sheet here this morning, uh, these are the first two scriptures. These first two scriptures come from the very first book in the scriptures of Jesus, and they come from the creation story uh, that is in this book. Now, again, last week we noted that the creation story is not meant to be understood as some scientific, uh, you know, detailed process about the biological happenings of our world, they talk more about the why or the big picture of perhaps what happened with the biology that God intended. And so in the beginning, 
we read that God actually created work as something that was good. Work was something that was intended for us to be a, be a part of our lives. It, it was a good thing, and it wasn't a bad thing until later on in the story of God. And so just take a look at these first two uh, scripture excerpts. It says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. If you're familiar with the first creation story, this is all taken from there. And it says this, to work it and to take care of it to work it and to take care of it. And then notice the second excerpt, it says this, so God created mankind in his own image and the image of God, he created them, Ma male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over it, the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. What we get here is a picture of work as it was meant to be. And work as it meant, was meant to be, was, it was meant to be something beautiful, something good, something where we join God in taking care of this world. Now, many of us are familiar with what happens after this beginning. Evil enters into the world, and one of the things evil does is evil corrupts work. Evil destroys how work was meant to be. And so, what happens is work becomes something that many of us experience today. Work becomes something that can be anxiety-ridden. It can be frustrating. It can feel meaningless. Work can also, because of the way we were damaged, work can become an idol in our lives. We can be workaholics, or we can like totally shun work, and work becomes something we hate, and so we become perhaps lazy or something like that. But it's important to realize that work, as it was meant to be, is actually something good and something essential to who we were and how we were created. It's kind of like this. Last week, I brought up this idea that rest was something essential, right? And I brought up the, the imagery of like, if we don't realize rest is actually part of how we were made, then, and, we, and if we don't rest, we, we kind of lose out on half of who we were meant to be. And so I kind of brought up the analogy of like, pretend you have two functioning legs and you operate your life based on just with, just with one leg. And, and I made the point that if we don't seek out to rest, it's like living that way. We're, we're, we're missing out on how we were created to be. We're, we're meant to rest. And so we, we're meant to function well with two legs, right? Rest being one of the legs. Well, today, the opposite is true. Or the other leg is true, so to speak. We're meant to work as well, work in a good way. And so if we don't work well, it's kind of like operating with one leg only when we were meant to operate with two. Now, why is this important? I think this is important because oftentimes we see work as something bad, as kind of an enemy to the good life that we were meant to live, and we see especially rest as the savior from work, right? How many of us work so that we can not work? Right? That, that, that's kind of how our society is set up, right? We work so we can not work. We're, we're trying to retire and, like, live in the Bahamas for the rest of our lives, right? That's, that's what, yeah, amen. Okay, so that's, that's what we're dreaming about. Now, that, that's a problematic way to think about it, though, right? Because we hope in, we, we, look to, we end up looking to rest in an improper way. Rest becomes a savior in a way it wasn't meant to be. And then we despise work, we hate work in a way we weren't meant to despise, and, and this whole system gets messed up. And so resting well will involve us 
knowing how to understand and embrace work well. Resting well also involves working well in the second sense, okay, in the second sense. We need to work well to prepare for rest. We need to work to prepare for rest. What do I mean by this? Well, take a look at the second excerpt here. And the second excerpt comes from an excerpt we looked at last week about rest. And it talks about rest in an interesting way. Notice what it says. It says it, it was written, this, this was, again, written to the early followers of God, uh, known as the Jewish people, the Israelites. And it says this, remember the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day meaning the day of rest that we talked about last week. Again, we were meant to have these days of rest. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. By keeping it holy. That phrase, keeping, what does that mean? Well, if we were to look at the culture of this time, we would discover that the word keeping and the concept behind that word keeping was also applied to weddings. Specifically, it was applied to brides preparing for their wedding ceremony. Now, just let's think about that. Isn't that interesting? How many of you know of weddings happening haphazardly? Oh, yeah, none of us, right? <laughs> Most of us know, if we've had friends get married, that my goodness, planning for a wedding is an absolute headache, really. Uh, but it's an absolute project of just huge proportions. You don't stumble into a wedding. You plan for a wedding. Same thing with rest. You don't just stumble into rest. You have to plan for it. You have to work at it in order to, to actually rest. Now, most of us have felt that before, right? Any of us who are in certain jobs that are, are pretty regular and, and maybe we, we want to take a vacation, we know we have to plan for that vacation pretty far out in advance. And especially as a vacation gets a little closer, we really have to plan things out. We have to wrap up projects or whatever it is and, and get it all set up. But what if we were meant to develop habits of working well so that we're working for our rest, of planning for our rest, especially on a weekly basis. What would our life look like if we had that mindset? Uh, we, in this series, we'll be posting things on our Facebook page, and uh, usually, you know, you can schedule Facebook posts. So uh, today's posts will include a list uh, from an author who's thought about this, a list of how he has prepared on a weekly basis for his rest. And so, for example, he will uh, prepare some food uh, the day before his rest that he plans to eat on his day of rest so he doesn't have to cook and worry about that. He will prepare uh, some things with uh, child care and things like that. So what are some things we can do to prepare for rest? All that to say, resting well involves working well. The second big idea for today is this. Let's get to the next thing. Resting well also requires boundaries with work that are meant for human flourishing. These boundaries, though, can be difficult to figure out 
and maintain. Let me just say this again, and so this gets into our heads here this morning. Resting well requires boundaries with work meant for human flourishing. These boundaries can be difficult to figure out and maintain. What do we mean by this? Where do we get these ideas from? Well, take a look at our last excerpt here from Jesus this morning, where Jesus talks about or deals with this issue of boundaries and rest. Back when Jesus was here about 2,000 years ago, people were very concerned with this issue of resting well. They were concerned about this because for the people back then, resting well was part of their religious duty and their religious identification. The whole idea of the Sabbath, this day of rest, for the people back then showed that they were truly devoted to God. And so people really got hung up on keeping the Sabbath well. And so Jesus has quite a bit of interactions with these people, and this is one of them that we read from, okay? So just take a look at this last excerpt. I'll read it, and then uh, we'll think through what's here and then get into our discussion groups again. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. Sabbath, again, the day of rest. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? The background is picking grain was a form of working in their mindset. In fact, these people known as the Pharisees had developed about 37 categories of work that were not allowed for on the Sabbath. Okay, so this is kind of the backdrop to this story. Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? David was a famous Jewish king. In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Now, there are a lot of historical details in this story we won't get into, but what we basically see is Jesus confronting these people some 2,000 years ago about their ideas of what was allowed and not allowed for in terms of work and rest. Now, back in Jesus' time, as you get from the story, they were maybe, we would say, overly rigid about the boundaries of work and rest. You can kind of tell from the story, like, they just, they were like, man, you can't help people, you can't do this, and they're, they're really stingy and really overly concerned. I think, I don't think many of us struggle with that. I mean, some of us do. I think we, as a, as a society today, or in our era, we, we maybe struggle with things on the opposite end. We're maybe overly lax about boundaries, right? We're kind of overly lax. And, and not only are we overly lax about boundaries, I think we're also unaware of 
the sorts of boundaries we need if we're going to have human flourishing. Or to put it another way, we're, not, we're unaware of how things affect us in detrimental ways and they, how things affect especially our brains and how they are constantly working when they probably shouldn't work. Kind of like, Jenna, what you said with your kindergarten teaching, you're always thinking about this. But, but let me bring up two examples of how I think we're unaware of some things as it relates to this. Number one, I think often we're unaware of how technology and entertainment actually stimulate us in such a way that our brains are still working when they probably shouldn't be working. Uh, many of you know about all the studies about social media, right? Many of you know that social media is designed for us to keep going to it. Uh, there's statistics out there that most of us check, on average, our phone about 150 times a day, on average. That's, that's a lot of checking our phones, right? Um, and it, studies have shown that, that that reaction in our brain chemistry that happens in that interaction is much like uh, any other addiction, uh, specifically an addiction to gambling. That's where most of the studies are, are kind of focused on. And so here we are in our everyday lives, even on, on our days of quote-unquote rest, where somehow our brains are getting stimulated in such a way that maybe we're not aware of. And that's actually detrimental to our, the need for rest. Uh, there are other studies, too, that talk about uh, certain forms of entertainment. In fact, again, go on the Facebook page uh, later this morning, and you'll find this fascinating study on certain types of entertainment and how they actually stimulate parts of our brain that shouldn't be stimulated and understimulate other parts of our brain that probably should be stimulated. And what happens is even in our days of quote-unquote rest and we're engaging with entertainment, we may actually not be resting in a way that's actually helpful. We're also, I think, unaware oftentimes of how rest or our versions of rest are actually making other people work in ways that aren't helpful. Did you notice in this second paragraph here, as God talks about rest, that this rest isn't just for us, but it's also for our community. It's for those who are servants and slaves in that society. Uh, if we were to apply that today, I mean, it basically involves, it, rest should involve everyone. And, and I think sometimes we're actually unaware, or, or maybe we're a little too self-focused to realize that, man, maybe on my day of rest, I want to get a cup of coffee at a local coffee shop. But am I thinking about how that is actually making someone else have to work? And as a result, hmm, this rest may be incomplete because I'm causing someone else to work. And so here's the point. Resting well will require boundaries. It will. These boundaries are meant for human flourishing, our flourishing, but also other people's flourishing. But here's the deal, right? These boundaries will be difficult to figure out and difficult to maintain. Take a moment, if you can, turn to your neighbor and process what we've talked about so far. This thing about rest, resting well, involving working well, and then resting well, involving boundaries meant for human flourishing. Two minutes, talk about it with your neighbor, and then we'll continue on with our final point here. What do these few points get you thinking about? What are some 
agreements, perhaps, disagreements, some ideas perhaps you have as you think about these two points? Like, yeah, I've actually had this work for me in this way. Uh, who wants to share? What are you processing? Yeah, please. Lenora, get us started. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I share with my group that I've been learning the last couple of weeks as I've tried to rest is that I've been kind of conflating resting with taking a day to just do things that like I want to do that I don't, don't typically have time to do. Yeah. And so I'm realizing that that's not necessarily the case and <laughs> I'm still tired. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah thanks. Um, let's give it up for Lenora for that. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? It's funny, you bring up an interesting point. Sometimes we can see our days of rest, our moments of rest, as the, the moments we run er errands, right? Or do things we can't do, right? And um, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's something missing with that oftentimes. It's like, man, that still doesn't feel restful. So how can we better engage? Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, what else? What else are we thinking about processing? Here. Oh, over here, yeah, okay. Sorry, I didn't see you there, Tim. Yeah. Uh, so you were, you were saying that if, uh, the, the way that we rest shouldn't get in the way of other, other people being able to rest. And the example you used was, um, for example, if I'm taking a day of rest and I go somewhere like a coffee shop or, or some sort of service place and I'm making someone else rest, that's not as great. But I think the way that I, was, I would look at that is like, well, their rest is between, uh, say, like them and God or them and, and it's just something that they, they can manage and maintain themselves. Yeah. Uh, so maybe their day of rest is a different day. Sure, sure. Um, I, and I, I don't think you, you uh, were super particular about the example, but still just the principle of um, resting. I, that, I'm just saying that's something that I would maybe disagree with, yeah. but uh, I agree with the principle still. No, thanks. Let's give it up for Tim. Thank you. I, Tim, you're, you're totally right. You're totally right. And please, I'm, I'm glad you're setting a good example. You don't have to agree with everything I say, right? Definitely. Um, but um, no, I think you're absolutely right. It was, it was a quick example uh, to maybe provoke us to ask the question, hmm, am I, is my rest actually helping others to flourish or not? And I think that's Something we need to think about. I, and again, I, we don't have to be like the people in Jesus' time, I think, where, that got overly like, rigid about things. But again, I, I guess I was coming at it from the vantage point that hmm, maybe we're not thinking about some of these questions as enough uh, to in, in our moment in history right now. And so thank you for that. Yeah, something to process. Yeah. What else? What else are we thinking about? Yeah. I think related to that, I was, I was thinking about how Sometimes there's like systems in place that cause people not to rest versus some of our individual choices. Like why do some people have to work overtime to provide for their families versus others who can take three vacations a year? So just thinking about how, you know, we can change some of the systems as well to allow people to set better boundaries for themselves. Absolutely. Let's give it up for, for uh, Olivia. Thank you, Olivia. Yeah, one of the fascinating discoveries that I made as I was preparing for this series of conversations was that there's a collective out there called the, like something about Sabbath Systematic Injustice Collective or something like that, where a group of theologians and thinkers and nonprofit leaders and pastors come together to talk about systemic problems with Sabbath, uh, Sabbath keeping or Sabbath breaking, and how can we 
how can we change the systems? And so thank you for bringing that up. We'll post that. Uh, it's not posted yet this morning, but we'll post that uh, in our series at, at some time, some of the resources from there. Yeah. Any last thought about this? Yeah. Heidi. Uh, some things in our society, such as two-day shipping, now one-day shipping, allow us to get away without planning well. Um, so, like, these things that, like, I expect convenience and, uh, yeah, um, whereas maybe I could have planned better and then that just creates these systems that make it hard for other people to rest. That's a good point. Let's give it up for Heidi. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this is, it's a complicated issue, isn't it? I mean, it's, on one hand, there are individual things we can do. Uh, on the other hand, there are systems at play. Um, you notice how, how this point here is, is, is somewhat broad and vague because this, this, the solutions that we need to find are much more nuanced than I think we realize. It, it, as we dive into this conversation through the series, you know, our thoughts will be going in different directions and to find an actual good solution will take some time. And so um, thank you for sharing that. They, these are issues we're gonna have to process. Let's, let me start transitioning um, to a closing point, at least for today's conversation, as it relates to rest and work. Uh, we've talked about a number of things. We've gotten a couple different directions here. How might we take some first steps to get us going here? I want to share three ideas based on these excerpts and also based on some of what you've already said. We'll get these three uh, steps up there. Uh, the first thing I think we need to continue to process this morning is work fulfillment, this issue of working well. Uh, we talked about right at the beginning that in order to rest well, we have to engage work properly. We have to understand the good of work. We have to understand how work was meant to be. Unfortunately for all of us, we live in a broken world where work is dysfunctional, where work is not perfect. We're not perfect. Our work isn't perfect. And it it, it can get very, it can get very negative very quick, quickly. But we have to press in to still try to find the good in work, to try to understand work as it was meant to be, to experience work as it was meant to be. It's, it's not easy, of course. Uh, it will require for some of us uh, a lot of processing, some coaching, some mentoring. Um, but let's, let's press into it. Let's figure out this work fulfillment thing to better rest and engage well with this work-rest duality that we're supposed to live in. Number two, we, I want to challenge us to prepare, prepare ourselves to intentionally rest. This whole idea that keeping rest was, again, back then used in the wedding planning sort of arena. It's a fascinating insight, isn't it? How might we better prepare ourselves individually to rest? And perhaps as a result, like Heidi mentioned, also prepare those around us to better rest. What, what are some things we can do? And the last thing I want to mention is this, this idea of asking Jesus. And I bring up this point, not just because we have to talk about Jesus here or something like that, but because in this final story, Jesus has that very interesting phrase, doesn't he? He says that the Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath, meaning that the, the idea of rest isn't meant to be this rigid, kind of law-like thing that is imposed on humanity, 
No, but rather it's, it's meant to give, again, flourishing for humankind, right? Sabbath is there for human flourishing. But then after that, he makes this other statement in that final scripture. He says this, so the Son of Man, that's a title for himself, is Lord of the Sabbath, meaning that Jesus and this idea of rest, Jesus is the originator of this idea of rest, and he's also the authority on this whole issue of rest. Specifically in this context, he's the authority on the issue of boundaries and rest, which I think is really fascinating if you think about it, but it's also essential to how a good spirituality works out. Because here's, here's the deal with a good spirituality. Good spiritualities don't just come from books or rules or regulations. Our lives are much more nuanced and complex than what can be captured in a list of rules and regulations. If there is a God out there, and this God is real and personal, then what we need in terms of guidance and direction has to come from this personal real God who understands all the nuances of our lives. And so when Jesus is here and he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, I think it's something actually very helpful for us because what he's trying to say is, in me and in a relationship with me is where true rest is ultimately found. It's not in a rule list. It's not in some, you know, these regulations. It's through a real connection with me. And so of all the things we could do to engage with some of these discussions on work, boundaries, things like that, at the foundational level, we need to come and engage with Jesus. And this can be done in some very simple ways, uh, depending on where we are spiritually. It can be as simple as, okay, Jesus, I need to ask you a question, <laughs> right? Like, I have no idea how boundaries are supposed to work in my life. Can you just give me a clue? And I think... Because Jesus is real and personal, I think he'll give you an insight into that question. It could be something a little bit deeper. Perhaps you're wrestling with surrendering. We sang some songs about surrender today, right? Surrendering your control of work and control of rest. Maybe you're having some difficulty with those areas and it's because you're you know, just wrestling with the control issue. Perhaps it involves surrendering some of those things to God, surrendering your control to Jesus and allowing him to speak into your life about this issue of rest and work. All that to say, our last point, our last kind of action step I want to encourage us towards is to ask Jesus as the master, as the authority on rest to help us find rest. God, we are thankful for this morning. We're thankful for a time to, again, to pause, reflect, and engage with our spiritual lives. And thank you for the music today, the poetry, and this conversation about work and rest. Would you guide us, please? We need your help as we continue to look for your great gift of rest for all of us. Thank you for this time. Be with us the, the remaining, uh, the remainder of today and into this new week. And it's in Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Amen.